Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the AEW Collision Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture. Joined by another one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on this weekend's episode of AEW Collision. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube, mm. where we do daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Collision, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0, oh. pay per views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick to review this weekend's episode of AEW Collision. The only big thing on this weekend, really. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I dread to think what the uh, rating's going to be when that comes out. I don't think it's going to be good at all. Um, but they didn't hold back on this show. A huge Escape the Cage elimination match, which, I, I, to be honest, if, you, if anyone's listened to the preview, I didn't realize it was Escape the Cage. Uh, oh, God. Right. Minutes, minutes before pressing record, there's been a bit of discourse on X mm-hmm. following Dave Meltzer on Observer Radio claiming slash reporting slash inferring slash whatever, who knows where the truth lies, that the rules were changed to escape the rule, uh, escape the cage so that our member of the House of Black did not have to take a pinfall. Uh-huh. This is since now, minutes before we pressed record, been debunked by both Brody King of House of Black and Wrestling Administration Coordinator, I don't know what the full job title is, Will Washington has also said, look, it was Escape the Cage all along, the graphics department, and the it was just a mix-up on the, on the graphic or whatever. I don't know, man. I do not know. I'm past caring. This political game that appears to be being played between the quote-unquote dirt sheets and Malachi Black. I'm so bored. I'm so unbelievably bored (laughs) of... I don't know where the truth is. I have my own suspicions. At this point, you know, maybe it would be irresponsible, given they have told us now where the truth lies... I suppose what we'll have to do is listen to the word of the professional wrestler whose job it is to lie and work people. I I, I (laughs) don't know. All I know is that Malachi Black doesn't work singles matches. Malachi Black doesn't take pinfalls. It has been heavily insinuated from a lot of places that Malachi Black wishes to go back to WWE. I just... There's got to be a story there. Well, I I will say this. Yeah. Pinfall or no pinfall. That's a black suck. They never win any of these feuds with FTR. <laughs> which, which, uh, if, you, if they are as one to away as they appear to be, or they are reported to be, would you have them win loads of matches? Yeah, fair. I, I, they're I, not bad in ring, I'm not saying that. No, that's, a, that's the worst thing. They're absolutely incredible. Yes. Absolutely incredible. It just cannot be a coincidence. And I hate... And I feel like I can't say anything, especially when they've come out and said, all guns blazing, it's a load of bollocks. And look, Brody King's done jobs. Mm-hmm. Buddy Matthews did a job last week to Daniel Garcia, yeah. even though it was kind of like, he stole one and I kicked his ass afterwards. There just has to be a story with this AEW Malachi Black thing. There must be an explanation about why, after a certain point, no pinfalls have happened to Malachi Black and... He's never, ever in singles matches, ever. What's going on? 
He's not injured. He himself has made that very, very clear that it's he did have an injury, and now it's fine. Mm-hmm. And it, that's not the reason why he doesn't work singles matches. I don't... I, what's going on? That, it'll all come out in the wash, and I think I know what the story will be, but I'm not going to say anything. I think that's because that's overshadowed a show. Well, what did you make of the, the whole show? I thought it was great. Yeah. I thought it was capital G, great. Um, I did a very corny tweet on X just since got embarrassed by two hours later with a really corny set of words. But what at the time I thought it was quietly magical. This I mm. realized that's sponsored by Ric Flair Woo Energy Drink, and there are no heroes anywhere. There are no babyface promoters. There are no babyface promotions. I at this point do not trust anyone who doesn't have a love hate relationship with professional wrestling. But when I watched those two hours of collision, away from some horrific decisions I know Tony Khan has made, away from some really ugly insinuations that Tony Khan absolutely did not clear up at that World's End press conference mm-hmm. where he looked like a complete dickhead, trivializing dickhead in those glasses and hat. There was just something about the show where they knew they were going to get annihilated in viewership and in terms of coverage, where it just felt like everyone had their working boots on, everyone either wanted to put on a show who was in the ring, and everyone wanted to be and have a great time at that show who paid a ticket. This atmosphere was class. Mm. I don't know how. <laughs> yes. I looked at that rest. <laughs> I looked at that WrestleTix seat map, and it was <clears throat> sorry giving. Remember that ROH 2019 meme where it was just blue dot after blue dot post MSG. Mm. You've killed the territory. Congratulations, Bully Ray. And even he denied that he was booking at the time because they're all liars. <laughs> and they don't know what to say without appearing cynical or uninformed or whatever. It looked scary, and it continues to look scary. They sold loads of tickets last minute. Yeah, I saw that as well. It didn't look remotely bad in that building, and everyone who did buy a ticket was bang up for this. It just felt like a good Saturday night of wrestling. People wanted to be there. People wanted to have a good time. Everyone had the working boots on. Just good, good, good good-ass Saturday night wrestling. I forgot to say earlier, but great to have you back on the podcast. I know you've been off ill for the last few days. I've been grafted on the right hand side. I've been sequestering myself in a private office at What Culture Studios until I felt a bit better. Um, But I was watching this collision, you're right, going, where was this audience on Wednesday night? Jesus. Um, But we'll we'll dive into it because we've got to talk about the action that happened. The opening match was a tag match between the BCC, John Moxley and Claudio versus Shane Taylor promotion. Shane Taylor and Lee Moriarty off the back of uh, Rampage, which saw a the Shane Taylor promotions even, beat up John Moxley after his match. Um, so they didn't mess about. Um, Taylor and Moriarty attacked, um, well, with a big brawl, actually, to start off the match. Moxley dove onto Taylor on the floor. Uh, eventually, we get in there. Um, there's a stare down, and Castagnoli backs Taylor into the corner with his uppercuts, teases a giant swing very early, and I thought, yeah, it's feasible. It's Claudio. Um, Moriarty ran distraction, though, and uh, Taylor hit a big knee to Castagnoli to take over. Uh, he dropped a leg onto him on the apron, um, and uh, they, they isolate Claudio for large parts, um, and he even gets out of it eventually, does Claudio, by a huge vertical suplex on Shane Taylor. He gets over to Moxley, who comes in, runs wild, uh, hits an X-plex on Lee Moriarty. Um, there's a Taylor distraction. Moriarty t- tries to take advantage, but Castagnoli takes him down, hits him with a giant swing. Um, Moriarty reverses a choke into a European clutch for a nice near fall. But Moxley kicks out, hits a cutter, goes for the death rider. Uh, Moriarty tar- targets his bad arm, though, brings in Taylor. Taylor went for his big right hand, but Claudio stopped him. They sort of hit a heart attack for a near yeah. fall. Um, and then Moxley locks on the choke and eventually gets the submission victory for the BCC. I'll be honest. One, this match was good, not great. Completely elevated by this atmosphere and this good time. Everyone was absolutely determined to have. I looked at this match graphic. It's like he's gone through every permutation of John Moxley versus Shane Taylor promotions in the feud that realistically, I don't think a single soul on the planet asked for. 
And I, was th- I looked at this match graphic, having seen the collision and the rampage matches, and I just thought to myself, You're joking. Not another one? And I had a really good time with it. Yeah. And they did a fantastic job of putting Shane Taylor over as the beast, the unit that he is, with that heart attack. Felt like the difference maker. Mm-hmm. Felt like the one they panicked over. Built a really cool match out of it. And Moxley Moriarty on Rampage was really strong as well. Um, so it was so weird. Um, Dynamite. Obviously, I didn't record a podcast on it because I was trying to sequester myself. But John Moxley cuts that backstage promo, and I'm like, yes, fired up. What's he got? And I'm going to prove all of this, that I've got the bit between my teeth again uh, against Lee Moriarty on Rampage. I was like, uh, and they had a really good match. Yeah. I should have known better when I saw the graphic and just expected a nice little opener, really well built, did a great job of that usual AEW. The stars will win, but they'll get they'll get a stiff test along the way. Uh, it's kind of boring. <laughs> it's getting kind of boring. We see it so often, and yet, in and of itself, I had a good time with this. Uh, what followed was the international title match. I'll do the thing back. Oh, my God. Well, I will say I was disappointed with this. You wanted Vikingo? Well, no, I, I wanted the Butcher. Every time I'm offered Orange Cassidy versus the Butcher, I want Orange Cassidy versus the Butcher. It's always good. Butcher. Yeah. Um, and that's what we knew was going in when we previewed it on Friday. And I think we said everyone's name as a feasible option. And, you know, I saw it was Orange Cassidy's had a great match with Kip Sabian. I thought, ah, it's Commander. Uh, it could be Vikingo. Like you say, it could have been the Butcher. Um, but we'll get to that in a second. Before this, Commander is backstage with uh, the Undisputed Kingdom. They do mm-hmm. that. Um, and, uh, yeah, Roddy says, um, how do you fancy holding the international title for five weeks and then I win it off you at Revolution? Deal. Shakes his hand and Commander's no idea what's going on, basically. And we got the match, Commander versus Orange Cassidy. Uh, a bit of respect to start things off and then they go nicely back and forth. Uh, they both traded gory specials and... Cassidy gets his hands in his pockets whilst he's on his back. Like, what the bloody hell are you doing up there? Um, Cassidy hits a stun dog millionaire in a tornado DDT. Commander gets sent to the floor. Out come Roderick Strong and the rest of the uh, undisputed kingdom. Oh, the kingdom, I should say. And that takes us to break. When we come back, Commander comes in with a reverse springboard crossbody for a near fall. Oh, my God. Feigns a reverse crossbody and then hits a Canadian destroyer mm. off the back of that. Uh, hit a splash for a near fall. Did a sort of standing submission. And then hit a pair of running boots when Cassidy fought out of that. Went for another destroyer. Cassidy comes back and hits him with beach break for a two count. Cassidy goes up top. Commander cuts him off and hits a step up Hurricane Rana off the top rope for a near fall. Oh, my God. Goes to the floor again. No, sorry. Goes to the top again, sorry. Cassidy goes to the floor. Strong's like, now. Distracts the referee. Commander's going to do his rope walk splash, but he hits the kingdom instead. And when he rolls back into the ring, he gets hit with the orange punch by Orange Cassidy, who retains the title. Post-match, Strong's there going, there's your bloody title for now. But before Cassidy takes it off him, he drops it, of course, because he's an arsehole. Again, the story of the show is I was very cynical about certain things announced for it, and it was a complete over-delivery. Maybe that's inaccurate because Orange Cassidy's gimmick is he's an incredible Lucha Libre wrestler who just, you know, turns it on as and when he wants. But I saw the way this was all unfolding, the strong Cassidy stuff, and just kind of groaned inwardly. Because I liked the commitment to, you get in this match at Revolution, it's ages away, strap in, we've obviously got some story to tell. And now it's revealed that story is, all right, Orange Cassidy is going to defend his belt in incredibly predictable matches. Like, even more predictable than they would be ordinarily, because you know they've told you the match is happening at Revolution. It's obviously going to happen at Revolution. So every match... Ahead of the Revolution match is a total and utter predictable formality. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? Roderick Strong is going to be fresher, sharper. They're telling a, a, a reduced story of Cassidy as defending fighting champion's body falling apart. So I thought, well, this is pretty predictable. I don't know why you're doing it. And then the match happens. And oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. There was just, they were fizzing about in there. The chemistry was unbelievable. It was nothing I've not seen before, but it was just, again, that people in that crowd were up for watching it. Like, some of the ingenuity of the moves were fantastic. It just didn't outstay its welcome. It was lean. Every second of it seemed to matter. It was urgent. 
I just was biting on stuff because it was happening so quickly that I didn't have time to register mm. or rather think, well, Cassidy's winning. Of course he's winning. There's no chance he's not winning. I would put my house on him winning. And it was just really exciting and breathless and this crowd were just up for it and it was just a nice Saturday night vibe and I just thought, this is what collision is, isn't it? Yes, yeah. This is what it should be. Uh, we cut to the back where Daddy Magic is uh, calling for help. Daniel Garcia has been beaten up. He's bloodied. He's... Uh Riding around on the ground and question marks are raised whether he'd be ready for the main event. Uh, and then we get a video from Wednesday's Dynamite. Timeless Tony Storm is furious at uh, Deanna Perrazzo's attack on her butler. Um, and uh, Mariah May asks, you going to come and watch my match on Collision? Timeless Tony Storm actually for once says, yeah, that's a great idea. Who are you, who are you facing? Oh, I'm facing Lady Frost. Fantastic. When is it? Saturday night. Perfect. Where is it? Basir City. And she says, oh, I've got some issues with racehorses there that's left a bad reputation for me, so I'm sorry I can't make it. And so we'll it was in Bossier City. What was the name of the arena? I should have prepared for this, really. Collision. Uh, Brookshire Grocery Arena. Oh, uh, yeah, that was what it was. Brookshire Grocery Arena. More like... Shire Grocery Arena. Very good. I'm not, on a, I'm not really on good form today, to be honest. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, anyway. <laughs> Where are we? Oh, yeah. And uh, Storm says it's basically just the beginning with her and Dionna, because they can take into the pipe. Then we got uh, Mariah May versus Lady Frost. Oh, my God. I said on the preview... Oh, I wonder if Mariah May's going to beat Lady Frost. Oh, yeah. But we also said, love Lady Frost. Haven't seen her for a while. Always a pat on the head. Always a dependable hand in these sorts of matches. That's the thing. I don't think she is. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we'll, get, we'll get into it. But then it felt like from the moment Mariah May, ironically, tapped her on the head and went, no, oh, little you, eh? She went, okay, I might be smaller than you, but I'm going to beat the crap out of you. Forearms, back and forth chops, a neck breaker for a near fall from Frost early on. Uh, May goes for the hair, and then hits a shotgun drop kick. Um, we go to break, and when we come back, they trade very high angle German suplexes. Oh my God. And then Who had on their bingo card, Lady Frost does a move. One million percent better than CM Punk on <laughs> Royal Rumble weekend. Yeah. German kicked ass. And then Frost cartwheeled into an air raid crash. I mean, that looked unbelievable. Uh, which is called the Killer Chill, I've been informed, for a two count. Um, May, next, Frost on the ropes. Missile drop kick. Frost got out of the way of a corner charge and hit a kick. Cartwheeled into a cannonball. Goes up top for Frostbite, but May pulls her down and hits Mayday to win. I don't want to undersell Lady Frost's contributions to this match, particularly because I'm about to mildly criticize her general output. But my God, this Mariah May is going to be a star. Yes. This Mariah May is really, really good. And she already has the stuff that a lot of people can't ever get good at. That star power, that telegenic presence, not to be too Jim Ross about things. The intangibles. The intangibles. Right. She... You can already tell by her Twitter game, she's got bags of personality. She's really witty. She's just got star power. She's got those intangibles. She's got the Reza Mateus. Reza Mateus out the ass. And she can hit hard. Yeah. Gets her tits slapped off. She slaps other people's tits <laughs> off. Yes. Like, she takes those Germans like an absolute fucking <laughs> champ right on the neck. She's... Workhorse TV megastar in one incredibly marketable package. Um, and she's already been effectively positioned as she's going to have a world title match sooner than rather than later. Yes, and that's a good bit of booking. My God, this Mariah May makes you think that this division can be saved as so she's mm. at the forefront of it. And they're obviously like... Uh, Not the only she's, reason tonight as well. Yeah, that. she's on TV more than... A lot of people, they clearly, not only do they clearly see something in her, right, but it's different. Like, they clearly see something in a lot of wrestlers, and then there's too many wrestlers, and then they decide, I'll see something in them more than him and mm. all the rest of it. This is different. They really seem to see something with Mariah May. And it, the fact that they are communicating this to me week after week all the time 
gives me trust in the process that they're actually going to book her and yeah. build her and feature her and write a compelling story around her. And all of these things matter as much, if not more, than the actual wrestling matches. And she's got those as well, those angles on those Germans. Again, took it like a champ. And, yeah, Lady Frost has got some spots that look really good. And she's a hell of an athlete. And she went to kick her head off, basically. Yeah. Mariah May had to duck like that. So the intense there, I have seen Lady Frost kind of get lost in about, I would say, over half of her matches, mm. which have a spotty quality as a result. This was, again, I'm going to use the same word, lean, like, focused, cool shootout. Mm. The fans really got into it. Didn't outstay its welcome. Great, great Saturday night TV wrestling without it being a great match in and of itself. But I was Mariah May. If she can continue to go at this level, if she can turn into a, like a turn in a really good pay per view performance, like she could be everything in this mm. division. Swerve Strickland's backstage. Uh, obviously, next well, this week. Sorry, we have the pick your poison, whatever it's called. Uh, what a disappointment picks, that is. Swerve, picks but we'll get opponent, to it. Picks opponent for Hangman. Hangman picks an opponent for Swerve. And I had Swerve so much hope for this. Reveals. Uh, I was annoyed because we could have had a game out of this. Yeah, on Wednesday, but um, we could have kept it as a mystery. Then again, if you, this is the delivery, no offense to who is it? Which one is uh, it? Uh, Toa Leona. Toa Leona. No offense. Rapid improvements on that performer, like. Love watching the Gates of Agony. Um, really fun throwback unit, etc., etc., etc. The whole point of Pick Your Poison is you should get a cool opponent out of it. Because if it's just very, very obligatory, this is how Tony Khan books, wherein Star Wrestler is feuding with Star Wrestler, therefore wrestles TV match against associate or teammate or stablemate of Star Wrestler, you could just do that. Mm. Don't do pick your poison gimmick and have a total dynamite ass gauntlet adjacent match with it. You know what I mean? It yes. just felt like such a missed opportunity. As he said, not you're being facetious there. Actually no, you're not you love games. We love games. We could have had a game out of it. Yeah. But you to extend that point further, the wrestling fans could have went, ooh who could he have faced? He could have had fun with it, and they're not yeah. having fun with it. They're just doing a gauntlet ass match. Uh, Strickland did say Leona's never been pinned in his run in AEW. Um, Aye, but who? That seems like the kind of nerd statistician <laughs> AEW deal that never really means anything, does it? No, I didn't make me think. Oh, well, he might lose then. It's on par with the illustrious history of four way matches in the women's division. Something that you can say, oh, you've done that, but it doesn't mean anything. Would you, you can but, say, oh, we've done loads of throwaway four-way four -way matches on pay-per-views because we're not very good at booking singles programs. Would you have liked it more if, or would you have been satisfied if they'd have not revealed anyone or if they had to reveal the person I'm about to say instead as an opponent for Hankman Page because of the law? If Swerve Strickland said, I've got an opponent for you, don't forget the only reason you're in this title Thing is because your new record in 2024. Brian Cage did it last year. Yeah. If they hadn't touched it since Double or Nothing, you'd think, oh, well, I would have liked it. Um, I just don't think they should have attached Pick Your Poison because that's like, that's the sort of gimmick that sparks your imagination. As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, something interesting is going to come from this. And in fact, no offense to Leona, but like it's the most generic possible mm. AEW book. They would have done this when Jericho was champion with exactly, the inner circle. Exactly. And they've been doing it like 20 times after that as well. Uh, but Hangman Page said he's going to be ready for Tio Leona on Wednesday. The match itself should be really fun, by the way. Yeah. Two bruisers <laughs> killing each other. Yeah, just look at what he did with uh, JD Drake on. Was that Collision a few weeks I, ago? I, that was fun. Um, he said he didn't tell to Swerve he was going to be facing, but he, say he, would, he said he'd have to wait the whole effing show to find out. RVD? Yes. Thoughts? Well, that's what you want. Yeah. You, you're not ex I'm not expecting a Carter <laughs> no. versus Hangman Page. I'm not expecting that tier of mystery opponent for a TV match. But RVD's right in the wheelhouse of it. Like, fun. A nice little diversion sort of thing. And you know the whole law of Prince Nana gets weed from a high school dealer. <laughs> There's weed law in yeah. Swerve versus uh, Hangman. <laughs> weed law. I don't know why that... It's like... 
<laughs> that you know, weed law sounds like you know, absolutely horrific, bad faith AEW podcast grifts oh. and like the worst kind of like nicknames, like Tony Con from like the worst kind of accounts. That sounds like their nickname for Wardlow. <laughs> weed law. Like Tony Khan is booking weed law on Dinah. <laughs> <laughs> It's the worst party you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> then it was time for a proving ground match. Uh, Eddie Kingston versus Willie Mack. Um, I'll remember this match for quite some time. Not for the right reasons, mind you. I love Willie Mack, I don't get me wrong. Uh, he flies into Kingston with a Yakuza kick to start us off. He gets a near fall with a brain buster. It's a cannonball in the corner and a standing moonsault for a near fall. He went for a stunner, but Kingston got out of it. Lays in some strikes. Uh, Mac hit a, a leaping shining wizard, but he came up holding his knee, which factored into what came next, you believe. Because he goes for a standing shooting star press and just landed on his head. Yeah. On Eddie not Kingston. good. Um, like terrifying. Actually. And they, they covered it in commentary by saying, oh, it's because of the, the knee giving out and what have you. Then Kingston took over. He avoided a uh, cannonball and hit a suplex. Went for a backdrop driver. Mac reversed it into a power bomb. They trade some chops and Mac disagreed with the chop exchange because he just decided to punch Eddie Kingston as hard as he could in the face. And Eddie Kingston was like, okay. Um, Matt hit an insecurity, but Kingston got his knees up on the six-star frog splash, hit the hurricane, and got the one, two, three. I think even without that botch, which, Jesus Christ, one, who cares about my spell being broken in this minor TV match? Mm. I was glad it didn't go even more awry. Even without that, this just felt a bit layout-wise with the popping back up from the suplexes, like every match I see nowadays, and it didn't have enough, like, about it to be anything other than kind of a stand... What passes now for a standard American TV match? Mm. A little sprinkle of strong-style psychology and stuff. I just didn't really have... I, I love both guys to different extents. I didn't really... Raid this botch aside. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. I did like what came next, though, which was Eddie Kingston wins, and he's walking back up the ramp, and Eddie Kingston's music's playing. Um, and instead of him walking through and then whoever was coming out next for their match or them cutting something else and then their music playing <laughs> quite blatantly, Brian Danielson's at Gorilla going, turn that crap off. 
play my music, and he just walks out straight past Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston's going to commentary for this, by the way, for obvious reasons. Um, but just that moment between the two of them, he's trying. He did it at the end of the match, obviously, with the handshake and the bow and the show of respect, and then flipped him off. Uh, they're doing some good stuff with this. Are they doing Eddie Kingston versus Brian Danielson at Revolution? Possibly. I don't hate that at all. I know I've seen it, but I love the idea because Brian Danielson said ahead of last week's tag team main event that an off night for him was the very best night of Eddie Kingston's career. and He's only ever done it once. I quite like the idea, and I probably contradicted myself from last week, of Danielson putting over Kingston on the pay-per-view, the second clean loss to Kingston in a row, as if to say, ah, maybe he's better. Mm. I like the idea as well in the build of Kingston being like, I'm, you know, I loved beating you. It was the highlight of my entire year. And despite all evidence to the contrary, Brian Danson being like, I don't think about you at all. Yeah, yeah, that Yes, then. you do. You made them cut off the yeah. music and you, but yeah, you prick. <laughs> um, Kingston contained himself on commentary somewhat, focusing mainly on the fact that Yuji Nagata was out there instead uh, for this dream match. He called Danielson's, uh, the, the, I think Excalibur called it, the hotness of the buttons, acute touch. Um, crowd really into this, obviously. Danielson yeah. Nagata. Um, they trade some strikes. Danielson gets a near fall off a suplex. Uh, Nagata targets Danielson's arm as we go to break. When we come back, Danielson hits Nagata with a drop kick. He targets Nagata's legs. Um, and, yeah, Kingston's talking about how Danielson's just trying to get him hungry with all these antics. But I've beaten everyone in the BCC to get where I am with all these belts, so not bothered. Both of them are so bothered. Yeah, no, I love it. <laughs> um, Danielson pulls the old man's leg into the ring post. I just really, it really came across there like, oh, stop bullying him, yeah. you prick. Slams it into the ring post. Um, goes up top, shotgun drop kick, hammer and anvil elbows, but out of nowhere, Nagata catches the arm, and that's the one thing you can't do. Hits an exploder suplex, they trade uppercuts, and then Nagata gets the Nagata lock on Danielson, who uh, tries to get out of it, or does get out of it, I should say, by going for his leg, putting on the knee bar. Uh, Nagata kicks his way free, hits a justice boot. Uh, they fight on the top rope. Oh, my God. Nagata's like... Nice headbutt, <laughs> superplex, near fall, uh, puts on the, the Nagata lock, transitions to the Fujiwara armbar, and then Kingston giddily reminds us, look at his eyes. They roll back in his head, but Danielson just gets to the ropes. Uh, Danielson fights out, hits the dragon screw leg whip, the trade kicks, Danielson feigns low, goes high, knocks him goofy, yes chance, and then the Busaiku knee gets Danielson the one, two, three. And then you've got the show of respect and then flipping off of yeah. Eddie Kingston. I love Triple Crown Law. Danielson seeking to prove that he can defeat Eddie Kingston because he's going to defeat the luminaries who've held the like the old Japan version. Um, on that basis, give me uh, Danielson versus Satoshi Kojima next. There were elements, right, when I was watching this match early when they were building the, the legwork um, and trading that where I was very... You know when you've got such reverence for a wrestler where you kind of see past their flaws and you're just... A bit like Sting, where you're like, some of it's a bit wonky. <laughs> yeah. But as long as he does the body language and he does his big spot at the end and he does the party and he takes you back to what it felt like to watch wrestling as a kid, it's fine if not everything looks perfect. There were times when Nagata was... Laying in kicks, which just didn't look particularly great, but it's fine. He's a very, very old bloke. Wants to wrestle till he's 70. Yeah. And his body will show at times how old he is. And it's not the biggest insight in the world, but the genius of having wrestlers who are that old. And someone tweeted in relation to another match of the week, only old people should wrestle each other. And I was like, you're right, because they can do things that young people just can't. It's this mastery of the spaces between moves and when Danielson, and he was going full, he was like trying to drill into his head. And the guy that was just like, nope, 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 nope. It's like, that's what wrestling is to me. It's those spaces in between the moves that just make you go, Ugh. I didn't get the full, Ugh. just bleed feeling. But I did get that 
in the living room like a nerd, like fist pumping. Go on, get back in there. Okay, let's go. That's the thing. If if, if I've got on a minor scale, I'll go. Nagata. Okay, let's go. Um, doesn't get. Oh, but again, okay, let's go. Uh, got a spot for you for a revolution match. All right. Is it physically impossible? No, it's not. It's right. uh, it's another one from my playbook, though. Uh, move stealing. Kingston hits a Busaiku knee earlier on in the match. Kingston? Yeah. And then in response, uh, Danielson does the kicks, and a bit like Nagata here, uh, Eddie Kingston's like, you know, like in uh, Street Fighter or Tekken or whatever, where they're wobbly, like finish them. He looks like he's going to set up for the Busaiku knee, but he's like, no, he stole my move for earlier. Sets up for the Hurricane, spins, stops at the last second with the wanker symbol in front of his face. Thoughts? Excellent. No notes. <laughs> right. FDR are outside the trainer's room. They're going, I don't know what's, whether Daniel Garcia's going to be able to make it out there for later, um, but uh, they'll fight two on three because they're high core. Uh, <laughs> but Mark Briscoe shows up and says, I'll do it. And they say, well... <laughs> it's not our de- it's not our decision to make if Garcia can't make it though. More than happy, and I thought, no offense, Daniel Garcia, but fair, fair trade. Yeah. Um, Brian Cage is then backstage with Renee. He's pissed off at constantly losing trios titles matches. He's had a string of bad luck. Why is everyone talking about this Hook fella and the FTW Championship? Wouldn't even even been relevant if it wasn't for bloody me. I held it first here. Uh, I'm basically uh, Hook is the sorry the basically the size of my leg, and uh, Hook suddenly appears. And says, anytime you want a shot of the title, you know where I am, or I'm around. And then he does Cage's thing to him, and Cage is even more pissed off. Yeah, I'll take that. Serena Deeb is back! Oh, yeah. Uh, great crowd reaction for her. She was taking on Robin Renegade. Um, you said a, a word earlier for, uh, I think it was Mariah May. I'd use the word that they kept using during this match because I thought it was so appropriate. Smooth. Ah. Just makes it look easy. Makes it look like... She can just make you into any shape she wants. It's a, It makes it look like it... It's, it's going to sound bad when I say it makes it look like a dance because that doesn't sound very impactful. It makes it look like a really vicious dance that yeah. could break your arm at any second. Um, immediately takes Renegade down. Single leg crab. She hasn't missed a step, obviously. Um, Renegade got a full Nelson on, but Deeb's just like, here's what you do. You put one hand here, one hand, and I'm out of it. Um, and just slaps the taste out of Robin Renegade's mouth. Uh, hit a neck breaker in the ropes, another one in the ring, uh, detox, and then the serenity lock for the win. Post-match, he gets the mic and says it feels damn well, did you miss me? Uh, gets the appropriate reaction, says it feels damn good to be back in the ring. She came back to elevate the division, put the wrestling back in all elite wrestling, and to become a champion, and she put the locker room on notice that the professor was back. We like the post-match promo, first of all. Um, she just speaks like she's not doing that performative cadence that a lot of pro wrestling promos speak in. Um, not the only um, comparison you can make to her and Bret Hart. Short match, very impactful. You got a nice, like potent dose of a reminder of what Serena Deeb can do in there. Like, the sort of performance that just makes you want to see her go 12 to 15 with, like, someone who's, like, more evenly matched. Just, uh, she looks like she can really damage it in there. So believable. In compa- like, not grapple. I hate that genre generally. It's mm-hmm. very pole-faced. And, but she just makes it look so crisp, fluid. You could watch her just cycle through holes all day long. Mm. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was the second women's match on the show. Well, 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 well. It seems a bit cheeky that knowing they're going to get yes, at best yes, a 0.10, I didn't think at it best a 0.10 in that demo. Oh, we do sometimes do two women's matches when oh. they're going up against the Rumble. Basically, this is not the new normal. This is we're going... We're going to get slaughtered, so let's do some dream match fair for the absolute hardcore of hardcores, like Nagata Danielson. That's two of the best wrestlers of the 21st century right there, just on free TV wrestling. Mm-hmm. I feel like I should have pointed that out at the time. It's just we've lost perspective, and <laughs> I have lost perspective on what this promotion's great at. Um, And the two women's matches was very much, well, 
nothing's going to die in the ratings because everything's going to die, if that makes sense. So why not do it tonight? I, uh, it's not the new normal. It's not a signal of intent. It was very much a, we can get away with stuff this week. You just reminded me, by the Imagine way. Imagine getting away with two women's matches. If you'd have booked a great division, you wouldn't have to get away with nothing. Um, you know uh, Adam Blair at Adam Wilson 4, who yes. often takes care of the... Uh, Dada, uh, alongside... Uh, Jose Palomares at the Ho 11, of course. Um, got an email from Adam. Oh, yeah. I forgot that we did this last year, so thanks again, Adam. And I've, I've not forgotten. It's just obviously with Sid not being here, I've held off on it. We've got a ladies' night quiz today. Oh, my God. Save that for the Dynamite preview later on this week. Uh, We've got a video package hyping CMLL stars coming to Rampage this week. Class. Yes. Uh, And then FTR made their entrance for the main event. Mark Briscoe came out, and then the lights go off, and then the fire and the lights come back on, and the House of Black are kicking his ass, throw him off the stage through two tables. It's like, oh, yes, it is going to be two on three uh, for FTR. Um, They brawl. uh, They brawl down around the ring, uh, around the cage, um, get chairs and, and loads of weapons. Referees get knocked down. Um, Wheeler and Harwood get sent into the cage. King crushes Wheeler against the barricade in the only way that Brody King can. Um, Black is going to kill uh, Dax Harwood with a chair shot to his skull. Um, but thankfully, Daniel Garcia with a bandage over his head and a chair. Terry Butcher. Comes out, yes. Um, lays them all out with a chair. Uh, Black, though, back body drops Garcia on the ramp. Um, they bring Garcia and Harwood into the ring and shut the door, stomp on both men, and then you see Cash Wheeler. He's climbed the cage. To start the match, he jumps off into the ring, like 20 feet or wherever it was. What a madman he is. To take us to break. Um, what a madman. We come back, brawls on at this point. Harwood hits Black with a huge spine buster, uh, but Wheeler runs into a black hole slam from Brody King. Uh, Matthews and Black team up to 10, send Garcia into the cage, and then a forearm from King, same for Harwood. Um, they start climbing out simultaneously, but Garcia and FTR pull them back down. They send them into the cage. FTR goes to leave, and Garcia says, no, we're not done with them yet. Um, so Garcia puts Matthews in the Dragon Slayer, and FTR hit Black with a shatter machine. It's a move train, everyone hitting big stuff, basically. Harwood hits a brain buster on Black to close that out. Harwood goes to make the climb, but King goes after him. King goes to make the climb. Harwood takes him down with a modified back suplex. Harwood goes to leave through the door, um, and King spears through him through the door. They both fall out. They're both at, they both have escaped the cage. They're both dead on the floor at this point. Is this a Brody King bit? Yes. Oh, my God. Looked demented. <laughs> so we're down to, to, we're down to two on two. Uh, a powerplex from Garcia and Wheeler on black. Uh, but Matthews hits a meteora on Garcia that sends him spilling into the pile. Matthews climbs. Wheeler follows. Uh, they both climb down the outside. It's sort of a race, but they're also sort of kicking each other, kicking the, kicking the crap out of each other on a climb down. Matthews sends Cash Wheeler into the cage. His head bounces off it. He falls backwards and goes through a table at ringside. And then Buddy Matthews reveals, I'm not getting out of here. I'm going back in. We're having a two-on-one on Daniel I Garcia. I that. That was clever, yeah. Um, before he can get back in, though, as he's climbing back up the outside of the cage, um, Black gets sent into it by Garcia, bounces Buddy Matthews, he goes off, he goes through a table that's propped up at ringside. Uh, So it's down to Malachi Black and Daniel Garcia. Uh, They stop each other from escaping. Uh, Garcia gets Black in an ankle lock. Um, Garcia comes back after being sent into the cage with a boot from uh, Malachi Black. Garcia comes back with a lariat, He's got it. He's leaving. He's climbing. But Julia Hart climbs the cage and spits, spits black mist into Daniel Garcia's face. Malachi Black casually goes to leave. But uh, Garcia's like, come on, finish the job. I'm still here. He looks ridiculous in the best possible way. He's beaten up. He's bloodied. He's got the bandage on. His face is covered. They, they made sure. Remember that time ages ago when there was the mist and it sort of went near Julia Hart? Yeah. All those mo- many moons ago. They went the opposite there. She had a gob full of black mist because it was all over his face. Um, so, yeah, Garcia, come on, come on, finish the job, Malachi. He's got to hold on to a chair to prop himself up, Is Garcia. Black kicks the chair away, goes to hit the black mask, but Garcia ducks it and hits a pile driver onto the chair. They're racing to escape. Garcia's climbing the cage. Malachi Black is crawling to the door, and you can see the way it's shot. 
Malachi Black is going to make it out the door probably before Garcia can hop over the top of the cage. But Mark Briscoe returns, slams the door in his face, as called by Michael Hanflat, I will say, with the Iron Claw law yeah. uh, on the preview on Friday. Slams the door in Malachi Black's face. Garcia makes it to the floor. FTR win, or FTR and Daniel Garcia win and escape the cage. Right. This is going to sound like... You know, didn't happen of the air awards on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Where, like, uh, the four-year-old kid says, why is there so much injustice in the world? Mm. We should distribute the wealth. Or someone gets a round of classes. applause in the supermarket or something. Yes. Yeah. No word of a lie. So my general Sunday morning routine is I'll just, my internal body o'clock gets me up, um, and I just stick on collision on a Sunday morning because I've got to watch it, and I enjoy watching it. Uh so I, before, uh, half five, my body got me up. So I was like, I'll watch the men's rumble and I'll watch the rest. And I was just trying to work it out in my head. I was like, men's rumble and then get a start on collision. Um, so I watch most of collision. I go big matches first. And I'll fill it out throughout the rest of the evening. So I was like, basically, by the time James comes downstairs first, we get to escape the cage. He's bamboozled by the rules. <laughs> I tell him, it's just fine. I don't think eight-year-old children are AW's intended audience. No. Right? But still, a kid should be able to follow something as simplistic a medium as pro wrestling. You don't have to get everything, but they should get it fundamentally. Yeah. He doesn't know the law behind certain moves and exchanges, but he should get the rules of why it's happening and all the rest of it. It's not high art. He was bamboozled by why it was an escape the cage match and why they weren't escaping. And quite frankly, I was like, you make a good point, James. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was yeah. just like, when are you meant to climb? What's the goal? What does it look good? Like, should the baby faces just do some moves and then just go up? Yeah. Or like, what's the goal here? It's a total retribution because it's not, I hate watching baby faces just willfully climb out of a match to begin with. It's just, when WWE do it, and I'm consistent, goddammit, yeah. or at least I try it to be, when WWE do cage matches with escape rules, and it's not the San Martino model, where it's like, right, you've had enough now, you're defenseless, it'd be bad of me to continue to beat you up, I'm going to preserve your dignity, you've had enough, and then walk out. That's dead. So now when they escape, it's like, it just, this, it just looks a bit cowardly. Mm. just looks a bit cowardly. Same here. When they eventually did climb, I was like, well, when do you start? When's it a good look for you to start climbing? And I, basically, I got a lot of questions that were suboptimal, not only going through my internal monologue, but my left ear when James <laughs> is asking them. I thought they did an excellent job with a really flawed, weird step that I just don't like. And if I've been on this podcast for seven years, Willborn, burying WWE's yeah. approach to escape cage matches, God damn it, I'm going to do the same thing with AEW irrespective of how electrifying some of these exchanges were, how much it actually made sense. I still think he's doing it too much, Cash Wheeler. This frenzied dive to the outside. Well, this fight's so competitive, I have to betray my code. It's like you don't have much of a code to betray no. with your no-flips-just-fists if you're doing a dive every single match, which you appear to be doing now. Um, but it no did. flips, just fists. We don't chase star ratings. Yeah, no flips, just fists, and we don't like critical acclaim. You're, you're starting to wind people up with all of this. Yeah. That said, in the context of this specific match, it made perfect yeah, sense, yeah, and, yeah. and the actual execution was great. I could never bury it, etc., etc. I'd never do it to start a match because I'd be terrified someone's getting injured. Yeah, I know. Away. I know. Uh, commendable job of trying to get Daniel Garcia over. And you know what? Because I tried to be fair. Dax Harwood got the hell out of the way early yeah, at yeah. the perfect time because it was all about Garcia. I'd have put money on it being Malachi and Dax as the final Me two. Me too, and I'm so glad it wasn't, yeah. and I feel cynical because I didn't do any podcasting last week, so I wanted to sequester myself. Mm -hmm. Okay, You know I like that word. Yeah. I was going to prepare a game for the collision preview of, like, the most unlikely events in world history. Like, you know, these <laughs> crazy coincidences. Like, it's a fake meme, but you know the one of the bullet going into the bullet? Yes. It's fake, or it's staged in some way. Basically, it was never a thing where two guys fired a gun at each other, and the bullets just met, and 
But like that kind of statistical inevitability, I was going to say, what's more statistically <laughs> like this or Dax Harwood being the first to escape the cage? And it turns out you would have lost the game. Yeah. Aye. I thought the bit where the ruse with Buddy Matthews and how he eventually got that turned back on him, the bump wasn't great. The actual bump that Buddy Matthews yeah. took. So I but hit the just, table low because it was proper. Yes, yeah, it's a bit crap. But so, some of the action in the main beat of Garcia being the one, as he should be, I thought that was really strong, really committed. But I, when you have built this feud around the symbolism of the burning picture of the family and the family being physically present and Malachi sort of like spooking the family to then at any point in that match be escaping a cage to get away from Malachi and not beating him to a bloody pulp off. Maybe if they had the plan all along to do the match, you should have scrubbed it. Mm. And maybe the guy who's going after someone's family, going after someone's family, should have maybe done a pinfall job. That's just me and my silly approach to storytelling. Yeah, you could have, you still had the spot of the cage match, but got a, Briscoe slams the door in his face and then he gets hit with a, like a brain buster onto a chair or something. It's not... You don't lose anything by losing that way. Whoever's idea it was, whether it was Malachi Black's protest or Tony Khan saying, no, I want to do this all along. If it was Tony Khan doing Escape the Rules, and it's quite frankly not the first time a match involving Malachi Black, the stipulation has been changed to something where no one has to do a pinfall at the last minute. I'm talking about the ladder match four-way. That's bad booking on the part of Tony Khan. Yeah. That is bad booking on the part of Tony Khan to do an escape the cage rules when the guy was going after his family. you got to kick his ass mm. and nail him to the wall, or at least nail him to the canvas. And on that note, let us know your thoughts on AW Collision on X. At what culture WWE? Watch there, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, the Raw Preview, the Royal Rumble Review uh, are both available now. Me and Sidg and Hamlet will be back later on this week to preview AEW Dynamite, of course. But for now, this has been the Collision Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.